Palm Sunday is one of the beautiful days of the church. And for many of us, it is the first day that we actually feel comfortable getting active, doing something, waving our palms, putting our hands up, getting involved. If you've been with us for very long, you know that one of the things I dislike is when we make Palm Sunday something only the children do. The children wave their palms. On that Palm Sunday, on that day, it was the adults. The children would have been imitating the adults as they gathered. I invite you to hear the story from the Gospel of Luke, verses 28 through 40. Jesus continued on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As Jesus came to Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he gave two disciples a task. He said, go into the village over there, and when you enter it, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If someone asks, why are you untying it? Just say, its master needs it. Those who had been sent found it exactly as he said. As they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they replied, Its master needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their clothes on the colt, and lifted Jesus onto it. As Jesus rode along, they spread their clothes on the road. As Jesus approached the road leading down from the Mount of Olives, the whole throng of his disciples began rejoicing. They praised God with a loud voice because all of the mighty things they had seen. They said, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heavens. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, scold your disciples. Tell them to stop. And he answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I try to imagine in my mind what it looked like to be there on the first Palm Sunday, on that day when Jesus arrived in the city. I've heard others say that Jesus didn't know what he was doing, that the crowd didn't know what they were doing. I'm, I'm going to challenge that. Jesus was steeped in the Scriptures. He knew them so very thoroughly. They were embodied in who he was and everything he said and everything he does is steeped in the promises that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit had made to Abraham and all of their descendants. Jesus knew he was making a statement. And it says the disciples began to celebrate because of all the things that they have seen as they have watched Jesus minister and teach and live his life. There may have been some in the crowd who are caught up in what is happening. but The disciples know what they're doing. They may not fully understand a suffering servant who will die before the week is over, but they know at this moment they are shouting, This is the Messiah! All the promises are coming to pass. And we celebrate. Luke leaves out the very thing we've just done, which is the palms. He never mentions them. He instead focuses on the clothes. Luke writes to a mostly Gentile audience, people for whom the palm might not have the same connotation that it did for the Jewish people. A sign of victory, a sign of freedom. 
And they sang Hosanna, which is a prayer. God, help us. You are our Savior. We praise the one who delivers and saves us. And it was the long-promised Messiah who was the one to come who would save them. But Luke talks about throwing our clothes. The Gentiles would have worked harder for clothes than we do. Clothes had to be handmade, fabric created, stitched together, and for you to take it and throw it on the ground for animals and people to trample over was something you would not have done lightly. You would have thought about that before you did it. They didn't hesitate to throw what they had. The clothes become a symbol of their very lives. And then what happens? The religious authorities complain to Jesus. They're like, Jesus, do you see what they're doing? Tell them to stop that. Knock that off. They're trying to make you into the Messiah. Do you ever wonder what Jesus' head voice sounds like? Good grief. Yes. Come on. Wake up. You can do it. You can get on board with this. But no, they want the disciples to stop. They want to silence them. And they want Jesus to demand that his disciples be silent. Stop praising God. Stop it. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it like I think you should. God is not moving in the way I want, so stop it. Be quiet. Don't put that in front of me. But my friends, the God of glory, the God of creation has never been able to be contained by human beings. Almighty God will do what Almighty God wants to do and will move however He chooses to move. And on this day, it was a crowd of people shouting and celebrating and recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. But those who cannot see it, who do not get it, want them to make themselves smaller, want them to change, to accommodate them, to not make them uncomfortable. And Jesus, in great wisdom, declines. I will not attempt to restrain what is happening. As the Spirit shows people who I am and calls them to freedom and joy and life everlasting, I will not restrain them. My friends, it is not God who wants you to be less than you are. God calls us to be more than we are. He wants to take all the potential that He created you with and use it for His glory to give you meaning and purpose and fulfillment and to use you to help others experience that as well. I was reading this week, um, Steve Harper was one of my professors at Asbury and he has a blog now and I'm going to butcher the Latin pronunciation, I'm sure. If you know Latin, don't judge me. Obi Dyer is the name of his blog. And it's a Latin word that means to obey. He named his blog that because he said, I must obey. I am compelled to obey God more than men. Steve Harper, searching scripture, spending time with God, 
had a revelation of God that changed fundamentally who he was as a person and a Christian. And it cost him much. When he no longer held the doctrines of the people that he was associated with, they rejected him. And he lost his job, and he lost his tenure, and he lost his friends, and he lost his status. And he said, I'm sorry, but I must obey God. I can't not do this. I have to do what God calls me to do. In his blog this week, he talked about John Wesley's focus on practical divinity, on living our faith, on being who God has called us to be. As we have talked through this sermon series of Full to the Brim, about being worthy, about seeing who God is, about looking for a life that runs over with the love of God and spills onto others, we come to Palm Sunday today when we are challenged to think about the way we lift our voices, the way we show up in the world to stand for the things God would stand for, to stand on the side of God, to not worry about what the establishment might think. The disciples dared to raise their voices in protest, in affirmation, in praise of God that could not be constrained as they declared what was happening in front of them. The whole world is changing because of Jesus Christ. Our whole world has changed. And we're going to stand up and boldly proclaim it in the streets and the highways and the byways because He can change your life too. How do we do that? How do we raise our voice when the world encourages us to be quiet. Jesus says, I won't tell them to be quiet. If for some reason they were, the stones would cry out. Inanimate, hard, brainless, immovable parts of creation would shout. This good news cannot be contained, cannot be stopped cannot be silenced. I would say to you that I think the stones do cry out. I think all of nature cries out. We refer to it often in the church world as general revelation. We see in the complexity of nature and the complexity of human bodies in creation the work of a creator. And it speaks to us. I chose for Lent a Lenten discipline that was a photo a day challenge. And so if you're my friend on Facebook, you've been watching me post these. It has been harder than I thought it was. I thought, we all take pictures with our phone, take a picture, post it every day. No, it's really been more contemplative than that to find a picture that goes with the theme for the day and then to share why I'm posting it. And I couldn't stop thinking about John Moore when we came to the word silent, which was the word for yesterday. If you don't know who John Moore was, he was the father of the national parks, they call him. Um, he was a naturalist. We have several of our national parks because of his work. Did you know that he was raised a devout Presbyterian? Very devout. 
John Moore memorized every bit of the New Testament and most of the Old. He says around three-quarters of the Old Testament. He committed to memory. He loved God. He loved his faith. But he also loved nature. He loved being outside. He loved being with creation. And he says it came to be for him a second primary source for discovering God. In nature, in all the things that he found there, he found the presence of God. I think we do too. If I talk to people, and this is anecdotal, I haven't done a, a grand study, but as I talk to people, some of our most powerful experiences of God's presence happen at retreats, at camp, when we're outside. Nature can speak to us. I'm convinced that when we spend too much time in man-made conditions, it dulls our hearing to the voice of the Creator. When we're surrounded by human-made stuff, we forget that that stuff can't comfort us, that there is something beyond us. But I think all of creation cries out all the time. And if we have ears to hear it, we can. We know that when Jesus was crucified, nature reacts. The sun refuses to shine. We know that nature responds. If the stones cannot be silenced, perhaps we should not be either. Where is God calling us to raise our voices? To sing, God help us. God save us. Glory to God in the highest. The Messiah has come. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, as we have lifted our palms and lifted our voice singing this morning, help us so to raise our hands to be instruments of your peace, your love, your grace, and your mercy. Let our feet trod the paths that you would lead us on as we seek to go where you would go. Help us to raise our voices, to cry out for the world that you desire it to be, to share the good news that a Savior has come. Amen. As we sing our song of response, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. However God is moving you, if you'd like to come and kneel and pray, you're welcome to do that. If you would like to raise your hands while you're singing, if you would like to close your eyes or sit quietly, respond as God leads you in this moment. And if you would like a clergy to pray with you, simply give us a wave and we'll come and meet you. Let us respond to the Word of God.